Lift your eyes and see through the sorrow Muster all the strength you can borrow And live for tomorrow Though you're down and down to your rival Know your faith is linked to your survival Good morning, good morning, good morning, sweet, beautiful Texas and beyond. Little Brandon Jenkins, Be the Revival, kicking things off for us on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thanks so much to Lone Star Beer and Hoff. Power Polaris, our presenting sponsors. Thanks to you guys and gals for being here today. It is a pleasure and an honor to be able to talk hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks every single week so thank you so much for tuning in as we have got a great show lined up for you but uh, before we jump into what's on today's broadcast is this not the best time of the year i tell you what uh spring turkey uh, which i'll be chasing gobblers in the south zone uh, largemouth spawn you've got the crappie starting to come up into the shallows as well sand bass are running and uh, it is just uh, an absolutely amazing time to be alive in the great outdoors. So get off your butt, get outside this week, make it a point to do so. It's good for the soul. Anyway, uh, coming up on today's broadcast, we will be we'll be kind of all over the map, which uh, I'd say variety is the spice of life. So that's probably a good thing. And you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos because we're ready to rock and roll. And off the top, how about we save you some money on ammunition? What? Are you kidding me? Ammunition deals? That's not even a thing, is it? Well, it is now. Uh, our, our longtime friend, Trent Gilly. See what this guy did? Uh, he's an entrepreneur. And when Gander Mountain went out of business, Trent went around and bought... All of the inventory in like 14 or 15 Gander Mountains, including all the ammunition. And so he's sitting on all this ammo thinking, hmm, I guess I'm going to start a new business called Overstocks and Bargains. And uh, the model here is to sell ammo at deeply discounted prices. So that's great for you and me, the consumer. And Trent will be here in studio to uh, to talk about that. And it, it's really going to be interesting because we're going to dive deep into what makes a, a giant box store like Gander Mountain go out of business. Uh, fascinating stuff to get into with Trent here in just a minute. Then we'll spend a couple segments with Blood Origins' Robbie Kroger. Uh, what is a blood origin? What is your blood origin? We all have one, even if we haven't uncovered it yet. Uh, but Robbie will join us to talk about his blood origin one that goes way back to his grandfather in Mozambique in the 60s and 70s. And then we'll discuss how Robbie's story inspired him to create this series called Blood Origins to help push the envelope for the hunting community in, in a way that I haven't seen on film previously. So a uh, big fan of, of Blood Origins, and we're going to get into it in great detail here in just a little bit. I guarantee you it's going to be interesting. Uh, so looking forward to visiting with Robbie. And then we'll wrap up today's broadcast by checking in with Delta Waterfowl Managing Editor of, uh, of their magazine, Kyle Winterstein. Uh, he's got an interesting piece in the spring issue of Delta Waterfowl titled Rethinking Ringnecks. And that piece got me thinking, why, why do ringnecks get such a bad rap among duck hunters? Is it warranted? I mean, there's been 
many times where those stocky little feathered rockets have, have saved a morning for Bell and I. And as far as divers are concerned, they're, uh, they're very different from, you know, redheads, canvasbacks, and bluebills, uh, among others. So we'll get into all of that coming up with Kyle here in just uh, a little bit. So uh, a great show lined up for you. I'm certainly looking forward to it. A couple other things to mention. We've still got uh, one spot, I believe, left for Guns and Guitars coming up this July at Coons Canyon Ranch. Uh, Max Stalling and Mark David Manders will be the featured entertainment, fully catered deal, and uh, including alcohol and your access to your Black Buck or Audad. Take your pick. There's plenty of them uh, out there at Coons Canyon Ranch. We'd love to have you. Uh, only six spots will be sold, so a very intimate uh, type of environment that is going to be focused around hunting and great country music. If you'd like to join us, shoot me an email, uh, Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. We'd love to have you, and uh, I'll get you some more information uh, if you want to be a part of that weekend. And this is the fourth annual Guns and Guitars, by the way. Uh, also, let's do a quick giveaway. I've got another Lone Star Beer prize package, and this includes a camo dove seat, cap, and sticker. All you have to do is email the word Lone Star, that's Lone Star, to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com. Whether you're tuning in on one of our 30 plus radio affiliates or checking out the podcast, doesn't matter. We will accept entries until next Friday and then announce the winner live on the air. Speaking of winning, we got to say congrats to Terry Zeal. He actually won last week's giveaway, the Bison Tumbler that highlighted uh, last week's prize package. So congrats, Terry. Uh, okay, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We've got so much to get into this morning. Don't want to waste any time. When we come back, we'll be joined live in studio by Trent Gilly. Overstocks and bargains. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Oh, honey, you been, but I don't break. Things were different when we were young. The Texas Trophy Hunters Association is proud to bring you the 2018 Hunting and Fishing Extravaganza. Check out the latest in hunting and fishing gear and technology. Bring the kids to see Gator Country's live gators. Meet Kendall Jones, attend seminars and more. Bring your biggest buck to our annual deer competition. The granddaddy of all hunting and fishing shows returns to Corpus Christi at the American Bank Center, March 23rd through 25th. For details or online tickets, visit huntersextravaganza.com. A rock steady point, a covey rises, over-unders ring out. Cable here for White Rock Upland Birds, an outfit Bell and I have hunted with many times. Whether you bring your bird dogs or use their polished pointers, hunting quail and pheasant on the White Rock Trophy Ranch is an experience to remember. Located 45 minutes from GFW in Italy, Texas, White Rock will waive the $150 guide fee if you mention the Lone Star Outdoors show. Plus, save $25 off any package if you bring your own dogs. So grab your buddies and shotguns and call 972-880-9068 today. Hey, North Texas sports fans. This is Brian Spagnola, general manager of Texas Motor Cars in Addison. My family's been in the car business for over 50 years, and I want to show you the difference in buying from a family-owned and operated business. TexasMotorCars.com is an awesome website that lets you do virtually all of your shopping online. We have a professional photographer that takes amazing photos, and we give you all the information that you'll need up front. 
You can even find out how much we will give you for your trade-in before you ever come in. I take pride in the fact you can come in, choose a car, and be out in less than an hour. We have financing rates starting at 1.79% on pre-owned vehicles and can help almost anybody. Please do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle of any kind, give us a shot. Let me show you how easy buying a vehicle should be. Visit TexasMotorCars.com or come visit our 20,000-square-foot indoor showroom in Addison. Again, visit TexasMotorCars.com or call us at 1-888-9-TX-MOTORS. Brady grabbed the Gidgens from the hotel in the desk and we said, What's the matter, brother? Are you worried about your soul? He said, better safe than sorry, boys. That's just how I roll. We hit the road of feeling cool as cross the stairs and Nash overflowing with the spirit. And Bible, Bible on the dash. On That's Corp One by request, bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoors show powered we by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith, and actually every tune that we're playing coming in and out of break today was by request, so... Thanks to everyone who commented on the Facebook page. I try to play what y'all want to hear. And uh, y'all had some good ones this week, so thank you. And I also want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in today. It's great to be here talking outdoors with you as we're all set to talk some ammunition with Trent Gilly of Overstocks and Bargains. But before we do that, this segment of the presentation is brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. And uh, they don't just make deer feeders. Because this is the time of year where you need to check out the damn fish feeder. What you do is you take the damn fish feeder, you put it on your damn dam, and feed your damn fish. It's the damn fish feeder, and you can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. All right, well, uh, let's bring on our first guest. He joins us now live in studio, Trent Gilly of Overstocks and Bargains. Thanks for being here, man. We're excited to be here, man. We're excited to work with you. Uh, I am as well, and we're going to get into... uh, what we're going to be working on together here momentarily. But, man, it's been a minute since we've hung out. I think it's been a couple of years since that uh, hog hunt. It has. It has. That was a, uh, a long day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was a VXA uh, hog dogging trip, and I can't even remember where we where we went, out, out west somewhere. I think we were out by Jacksboro. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember the drive back, waking up at 3 in the morning and having to drive back and then go to work. <laughs> it was a long day. Yeah. Fun, de- fun deal, though. VXA is a great group. Yeah. And, and we caught some hogs, so. Uh, had some success lots of hogs out there that's for sure um but what have you been up to man man um what have we not been up to we've been uh just doing a lot of real estate stuff but more importantly we um we got involved in the gander mountain bankruptcy and we decided to um buy out some of the gander mountain stores and we opened a retail store which is a liquidation store for these stores we're buying and it's called Overstocks and Bargains. Right. And it's over in uh, North Richland Hills at Highway 26 and 820. So we've been getting that open and getting that going. So it's been fun. Yeah, well, so in addition to the retail location, though, uh, you're going to be able to offer substantial discounts on ammo. That's where it comes in for our listeners. So so talk a little bit about that as far as you know what kind of discount you can because you obviously got a great deal when you go in and bought you bought 14 gander mountains right for correct correct and, so, and you bought all the ammo in these stores correct that's a, that's a lot of ammunition and you got it for a good deal so now you're able to sell it for a good deal 100 percent. so we got involved um in the gander mountain bankruptcies and we ended up buying 14 stores out and mm-hmm. as part of that we bought all the ammo and this whole thing kind of derives from conversations of my business partner and i over the last four or five years 
we've been watching these big box stores go bankrupt and we were talking amongst ourselves about the fact that there's no, you know, you see it in the paper. Okay. A store goes bankrupt and you go, well, how does that benefit me? And how do I buy the stuff that they're liquidating? Mm -hmm. And so for us, we started kind of chasing that down and understood how the, the business works. And as a result of that, got involved in the Gander Mountain bankruptcies and ended up buying those stores. And so we bought the ammo from 14 stores. So we bought it at a substantial discount because it was just a big bulk price. Right. And we didn't really ever intend to be in the ammo business per se, but now we're in it. And we've got great prices on ammo. We can sell it cheaper than anybody else. And it's a business that we're going to continue to stay in and just run a volume game and sell a lot of ammo because we're hunting and fishing guys and we don't like paying high prices for ammo. Right. So I mean, that's, that's the, the, the basis for us. Yeah. It's just, we're going to stay in this business because it's, it's part of what we do and who we are. And, um, we don't like paying high prices. So we're going to do that and, and, and treat the store like we want to be treated. And so I think there's a, a misconception though, by the consumers that there's this big profit margin for ammunition distributors whether it's Gander Mountain or you or whoever, and that is far from the case because right. the, you know more about it than I do, but uh, the, the pickings are slim. The ammo companies know you need the ammo, and they're not giving you a discount on it. That's exactly right. You know, it, it's been a little bit eye-opening. I've never been an ammo buyer, per se, on a large scale, but when you go in, after I got into the business and I did get my FFL and um, I got registered with all the ammo distributors, you see that the margins on ammo are just razor thin. Um, it's such a highly competitive business. Like put so, a percent on it. Like, I mean, to, I think that the because we're kind of un unveiling the curtain here, peeling it back a little bit. A hundred percent. So you know, you look at the margins and they're like eight uh percent, -huh. and it's just such a highly competitive game that um, everybody wants to be in it. So as I got deeper in the ammo business, I started to realize how good of a deal we got on the Gander <laughs> ammo. Um, so we bought a lot of it. We got our, our hands on everything. That's the first time anyone ever got a good deal on Gander ammo. Boy, that's the truth. I mean, Gander Mountain. <laughs> There's a reason why they went out of business. That's ex And I told you earlier when we were talking that it was sweet revenge for me to be able to buy those stores because for me, they were just a terrible performer. Their prices were too high. The employees didn't know what they were talking about. So for us, um, you know, it was great, you know, so long story short, as we got into the ammo business and registered with distributors, it just showed us how great of a deal we did get. Yeah. And we've got a ton of great rifle ammo, a ton of great handgun ammo. This store is going to be run like an old store. It's not this rigid corporate deal. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. If somebody wants to buy a bulk ammo, call me. Um, I'm very transparent. We'll just do a lot of stuff, you know, and yeah. have a, have a good time with it. It's not going to be some rigid store like a private equity run store. It's owned by myself and another guy that live in Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah. So it's just a, a home-based deal. Well, going back to the that Gander thing, my, my experience with them, uh, my, when I turned 21, I might have been a little older, but when I bought my first handgun, I was living in Texarkana. It was my first job out of college in radio, and uh, we only had a Gander Mountain there. We didn't have Bass Pro Cabela's. I think there might have been an academy in the works. Uh, and so I went to Gander Mountain and, and bought a, it was like a Smith & Wesson 9mm. And I, I told some buddies what I paid for it. And they're like, holy moly, you moron. What were you thinking? I was like, it was only game in town. And they were like, well, don't ever shop there again. Right. And uh, and I never did buy it. And I think I I'd go in there from time to time. But if it was something I needed, I'd just go to Cabela's. My experience with them was when you walked in and 
and I had to, there was a store that was on my route to go to our farm and when I'd hunt and I'd need ammo, I'd walk in and say, Hey, I need 300, you know, short mag Winchester. And they, the glaze look on the employee's <laughs> like, face, what? like, what is that? <laughs> and and that was what drove me crazy. Yeah. Uh, when we, when we got the opportunity to get involved in that bankruptcy, we jumped to the chance. I so. will say, I will say the former uh, CEO and majority owner, David Pratt, I've been to his ranch in Colorado. Oh my God! Oh, I'm sure it was. Uh, well, based on his prices, he could afford a pretty yeah, good range. It was a nine thousand dollar elk hunt, which I would never be able to afford. Right. But, uh, one of my my best friend's dads had booked the hunt for him and his son. Then we had Hurricane Harvey hit, and it affected his trucking business down, you know, off the Texas coast. And he was like, uh, "Bad timing for me, but great timing for you. You want to go shoot a nine thousand dollar elk?" And I was like, "Is water wet? I mean, yeah, it's just yeah, hundred percent." And so, when Hurricane Harvey hit, we bought the stores. We were having having to clean out the store that was in Beaumont and the store that was in Spring, Texas, north of Houston, and it was unbelievable trying to. And we had a deadline; there mm-hmm. was a drop dead deadline to get these stores cleaned out and get the merchandise out. I had moving trucks across the street, staying up in hotels, yeah. um, taking back roads, trying to get these trucks filled and get out. So it was quite the experience. Well, yeah, but, you know, going back to his ranch, it's it's no wonder he has such a nice ranch after gouging people for so long on the prices. A hundred percent, hundred percent. But I'll tell you this: they treated the uh, the elk hunters there. They treated us well, but like they weren't catering to us. They had they had a corporate fly fishing trip there. Right. Each guy had his own private guide for the day. There was like twenty five guys, and they all had like a, a a mile stretch of this river that he had restored. They were like they didn't even let the elk hunters go in the lodge with these guys. They were like, <laughs> right. You guys are out back in the uh, you know. They called it a. And if they want to they call, call it, it a rustic camp. And I'm a fly fisherman. <laughs> if they want to call that fly fishing, they can call it fly fishing. But it's not fly fishing. Yeah, they yeah. could name the fish they're going to catch that day. I promise yeah. you. And I don't know if this is. I, I'm trying to remember right, but I think I saw somewhere where that ranch is for sale. Really? Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure. But Gander had a long ranch. history as a company, and they just they just took this deal where they're going to make their margins, and uh, I just don't know where they got off track. I'm not a retail guy. Yeah. Um, but I did it some wasn't research hard to, on it. It seemed like they they made some poor choices on guns uh you know kind of hedging their bets yeah and it didn't well we've all seen the trump slump oh yeah so everybody was loading up and i think we saw you know about a month ago with remington's filing bankruptcy Mm -hmm. um i was actually at the shot show and i actually talked to the general counsel for remington and i think they just all made these bets and took a lot of debt on and it's just not paying off for them and well they're just uh, not selling the black rifles like they were that's exactly right i mean they've got we were taught we had darren jones a marketing guy from silencer co in last week and um, the suppressor industry has been affected, uh, like you know, also probably not to the extent that the firearms industry has. But you know, if people aren't buying as many ARs, they're not selling as many suppressors. And everyone thought Hillary was going to get elected, right? And why wouldn't they? Right. To be honest, right. Um, thank God she didn't. A- agreed. But not, bad, it's bad, bad business for for gun manufacturers anyway well obama was the best gun salesman in the history of the world oh, 100%, no doubt about it 100%, so yeah um, you know i think there's a reset coming in the industry mm-hmm. um it's from remington from manufacturers on down to retailers everyone made these bets took a lot of debt on it it didn't pay off and and now they have to deal with it so yeah, yeah. um hopefully we'll be there you know to help them out yeah well so that's my next question after you sell off all of the gander ammo that you've purchased uh how do you still supply your customers? Because you're going to get loyal customers if you're offering them good discounted prices on ammo because nobody else is. 
so how do you keep doing that once, I mean, there's not an unlimited supply of ammo from Gander Mountain. Right. And I was on the phone with our distributor on the way, on the way up here today. Um, it's just a volume game and mm-hmm. we're going to continue to purchase and we're purchasing at a level, a uh, dollar amount every year that um, we've already um, obligated ourselves to, that we'll be able to keep those prices down and we're going to keep our margins thin and just run it kind of as a zero sum game. Yeah. We're, we're obviously, we hunt and fish as owners. Um, we're big supporters of the outdoor industry and we just want to get the ammo, your business back to where it's, it's a fair business. Um, I think it's dominated uh, by a few, in, few companies right now. Mm-hmm. And we just want to come in and be a player and run a zero margin game. Um, so we're going to do that. So give me an example of, uh, some, you know, a popular round that our listeners, whether it's for their concealed carry weapon or their everyday hunting rifle, what kind of discount? Just give us a, an example. Well, I mean, one example is a Gila 380 Academy selling that for 1399 and we're selling it for 899. Wow. Um, you know, we've got a, a lot of great rifle rounds, federal uh, power shock, 300 wind mag, you know, everyone's selling that for 25 bucks. We're selling it for 1999. Hmm. And the other thing I was going to say too, is if, if someone looks, wants to buy in bulk, Hmm. Um, we will be happy, more than happy to sell in bulk, and we'll make you a great deal. Slim margins, slim margins. That's Lots it. Of volume. There That's it. That's yeah. the only only way to compete these days. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so you know, I think cheaper than dirt used to kind of have that mindset, and now if you've been in a cheaper than dirt lately, it ain't cheaper than squat. <laughs> no, it's not. And and what you see is you see cheaper than dirt was a business owned just like like our corporation, and it's just two local guys, and they sell to private equity which is up in New York and they, the, the New York guys set the margin and then the business model changes dramatically. Yeah. So we're, we're going to try to fill that gap because I was a cheaper than dirt customer uh-huh. until they sold to private equity. Right. So we're going to try to fill that gap and, and, and take that same mindset and just get the guys the ammo they need for the best price that we can. Well, so you have some other stuff you'll be offering as well. Um, I know Sarah coating is, I mean, that's something that here in the last uh, five, seven years has really come on and, and, and doesn't matter what kind of gun, uh, but you know, pistols, ARs, people like having that added protection. Uh, it also, sure. you know, aesthetically it can, it can make the gun look a lot more visually pleasing. Uh, and I understand you're going to be offering that as well. For sure. We, we, as a result of the Gander deal, we, they had some, uh, they had four private ranges across the country, I believe. And we bought one of them. Um, and one of those were included about a, 80 guns uh-huh. well they were all painted gander mountain green i have no interest in having a gander mountain green gun myself right so what we did is we bought all the equipment to Cerakote guns and we're doing that in-house and as an extension of that we're gonna it's a it's a no-cost deal for us so we can do the seracoding things and, and all that at a price that nobody can compete with so just for an example you know i was looking online this morning and a lot of people are charging 200 to 250 to do a handgun uh, we're going to do that, that uh, a handgun pistol, no breakdown fee, nothing for 125 flat. And we're going to do that for $100 if you're a military and you're a veteran. Awesome. So um, we'll get you guys the information you need to, to capitalize on that. But And that's going to be an ongoing deal. It's, um, you know, a lot of people get in that business to make money, and, and we're not. I, I seracote everything. Yeah. I love it. Um, so it's been a fun process to be involved in. Right on. And I understand uh, going back to the ammo you're going to offer a Lone Star Outdoors show discount code on top of the already discounted prices. Right. So we are. So if you go to our website at www.overstocksandbargains.com, you'll see a place to put in your promo code. If you'll type in Lone Star, that will take 10% off your purchase, ammo included, 
anything in the store. Um, that will help with the shipping mm-hmm. as, as well. Yeah. So um, we wanted to offer that to your listeners and as part of this launch. Hell of a deal. With you. Hell of a deal. So the website again, overstocksandbargains.com. Correct. And that and is spelled out. It is. Uh-huh. Okay. It is. Good point. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Trent, I am certainly looking forward to it, kind of selfishly, because now I can get you know ammo for, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Same deal with me. We got an ammo business because I want cheap ammo. Yeah, yeah. So as a result, all my friends and customers are get cheap ammo too. Absolutely, It'll be exciting, It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, you guys will definitely hear me talking about uh, overstocks and bargains on the show um, in the future, and it was a, it was a treat to uh, to have you in studio. Appreciate you having us. Absolutely. Thanks, Cable. Our good friend Trent Gilly of Overstocks and Bargains. It's funny. Uh, like I said earlier, Trent and I met on a hog dogging trip with some veterans. Gosh, it has to be two, maybe three years ago now. And, and we always stayed in touch. And so here we are now uh, being able to offer through Overstocks and Bargains uh, great deals on ammo to you guys and gals. So cool stuff on that front uh, and great deals for me as well. <laughs> um, that segment of the show brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit Land. Yep, that's the one thing they're not making any more of, my friend. So if you're looking to finance your own piece of Texas, you need to call Lone Star Ag Credit. They've been doing this for over 100 years. Whether you want a recreational, a hunting, a ranching property, or just somewhere to get away from the big city, Lone Star Ag Credit has you covered. And you can find them at LoneStarAgCredit.com. We will be right back with Robbie Kroger. What is your blood origin? What does that even mean? We discuss next on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable here, and we all know that the North Texas weather plays for keeps. That's why you should call my childhood baseball buddy, Phil, with Tech City Roofing. Tech City is a one-stop shop for your roofing needs, offering a 10-year transferable warranty. They don't require money up front or a down payment. They deal directly with your insurance company. Tech City is insured and has an A-plus rating with the BBB. Call Phil Marler at 940-600-8221 for a free inspection, or email him at phil at techcityroofing.com. That's my lifelong bud, Phil with Tech City Roofing at 940-600-8221. Hey y'all, Cable here for my good friends over at Outlaw Outfitters. This veteran-owned and operated outfit will put you on the ducks, to say the least. I've been hunting with them for, gosh, four or five years now. They also do uh, deer, hog, and turkey as well. They have over 15,000 acres they hunt in Collin, Grayson, and Fannin counties. Whether you want to do a turnkey, you know, one morning waterfowl hunt, or a complete weekend package with authentic Cajun cooking and lodging, it's all right there within an hour of the Metroplex, and you can find them at huntoutlaw.com. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of Dallas and Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, and now McKinney. Visit bobcatofdallas.com or call 469-586-0000. Hey, y'all. Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. 
Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. When the sun starts setting, I'm down the road. I got 15 horses on a flat bottom boat. Making waves and jumping stumps. Just to see the bobbing of a big white That's Jugline, Justin Bowerman bringing us back. On the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club, Cable Smith riding shotgun with you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to our presenting sponsors as well, Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris. Uh, we're all set to visit with our buddy Robbie Kroger and get into his project, Blood Origins. What is your blood origin? Do you know? Have you ever even thought about it? What is a blood origin? Uh, interesting stuff coming up here in just a second. But first, this segment of the presentation brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. I'd like to get you involved with this group of folks who are passionate about education, hunters' rights, and, of course, conservation. To do so, check us out at biggame.org. Okay, uh, well, without further delay, let's go ahead. And bring on Robbie Kroger right now, uh, who joins us from somewhere in Mississippi, I believe. Robbie, thanks for being here, man. Man, Cable, I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Love what you you do on your podcast, and uh, you know, follow you on on social media, and just love what you do. Getting out there, sort of, we a lot of. Well, I'll, I'll speak for myself selfishly that uh, I live vicariously through you and your posts when I'm stuck in an office. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. And uh, I, But it's no secret. I mean, you get to do plenty of hunting yourself. I know you just got back from an Audad hunt. How was that? Oh, man, I, I do. I get to do a lot of hunting. Um, I have a phenomenal wife and an understanding wife. <laughs> That's the <a> key. <laughs> and, um, and uh, yeah, the hunt was amazing, uh, Cable. It was, it was my first... And the, when we dive a little bit deeper into who I am, it was my first true Western hunt. You know, I came to this country in, in 2003 and uh, haven't really just did the whitetail stuff. And this was the first attempt at going essentially big. And I understand now why there is this culture around sheep hunting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the mental and physical demon that you have to fight all day, every day, you know, you're sitting on top of this mountain and you haven't seen a sheep in three days and the wind is just like pummeling you to your core. It's just above freezing and you're sitting on top and you've glossed the same ridge line for the last four or five hours. And, you know, it's difficult to not question why you're there. Oh, yeah. What, what am I actually doing here? I'm, I've sacrificed time of work. I've sacrificed time away from my family. Um but it was an amazing hunt. It was brutal. It was awe-inspiring. It was breathtaking. It was memorable. And I'm not going to tell you how it ended because uh, the journey is coming. We're going to package it up as a, as a, as a, a very different way in, in how people capture hunts. And we're going to release it as what we're going to call a journey. And uh, you'll just have to wait and see. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Um, were you out in West Texas? I was actually... I drew a public land tag in New Mexico, which adds again to the... Um, uniqueness of the hunt. It was again the public land access to these units that we were hunting was 
quite unbelievable. You know, I've, I've followed the public land movements and, you know, private land issues and concerns versus public land access. And, you know, I'm lucky to be an American citizen now and, and sort of, I don't take for granted what, what access we have here because I, I had none in South Africa, zero public access in South Africa. So there were no public grounds to hunt there. So, you know, this hunt really um, brought to point what that what those issues were. For instance, we were, you know, having to weave our way back into public land that was essentially landlocked if you didn't know or use, you know, Onyx maps or any of those other right. tools that we would park and the, and the guide was saying, I can only park in this hundred yard stretch on a county road. But that's the only place that this public land touches. If I park a little bit further north, a little bit further south, I'm on private property. And, and it, it took it to another level for me when we were on this dirt county road that you would assume that is public. And you would assume it's public until there's a gate across the road. Mm-hmm. And so are we going onto private road? And he says, no, the ranchers just put the gate up to, to make you think that it's a private road. And so we have to go through a gate. And then this little sliver of public ground that you're parking on in New Mexico, there's this law. And it's a, and it's a, it's a good law that you cannot park within 300 yards of a water tank. Mm-hmm. Because the idea there, the science behind it, is that if there's, you know, this foreign body, this foreign vehicle there, you're going to in, inhibit wildlife and cattle access to that that water trough in times of stress. Makes sense. But when the ranchers put the cattle tank within that hundred yard buffer, that hundred yard access point, that's the only access point you have. Well, now you can't get onto that piece of public ground because the water tank is there. In which they did on purpose. Which they did on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, there was no water in it, and so we parked and, and walked in. But it, it really brought to bear for me some of the issues that you know backcountry hunters and anglers are really uh, chasing and pushing. And uh, yeah, so it was it was it was in New Mexico public land uh, and tough, tough, tough hunting land. Yeah. Well, you know, New Mexico is probably my my second favorite state. It's the other than Texas, the place that I've spent the most time in. Uh, whether that's fishing or uh, elk hunting or mule deer hunting. I've done, gosh, three or four of each there. Hoping, you know, keep my fingers crossed that I draw an elk tag there uh, for this fall. Uh, but I absolutely where did that you state. Where did you apply? Do what? Did you, did you apply in the Gila? Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I won't tell you my second choice because that's always my fallback plan, but everybody <laughs> and their dog applies for the Gila. But, you know, your odds are point, uh, or, or like 1.2 and 16A and like point, uh, point 0.9 in uh 16b so you know you might as well go buy a lottery ticket and and you'll have just as good (laughs) odds (laughs) everybody has those same odds the only knocking that i have against new mexico and like i said i love the state but gosh they need to come up with a you know they need to do something and get preference preference points going uh because it's like it's archaic just uh yeah you know you you could go 10 years and never draw or, or i drew an elk tag two years in a row which just yeah. doesn't seem fair, um, but it is what it is. Love a state and love uh, all that uh, hunting. And like you said, uh, sheep hunting, I will tell you this, it's poor man's sheep hunting. It doesn't make it any easier, uh, but hopefully one day you and I will be able to afford a Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep hunt or draw that once-in-a-lifetime tag. But uh, all that really give an opportunity to people who either can go on public land or if you, it's a lot easier to stomach three or $4,000 for a hunt than it is 50,000, you know? Exactly. Uh, exactly. And, you know, honestly, we're going to have another, op- we're going to go and audit hunt again 
potentially in West Texas um, for one of our, we've got a potentially a Blood Origins episode lined up uh, with an individual you may know very well, a guy called Patrick Scroggins. Mm-hmm. Um, Sheep Shape, used to be in Sheep Shape and uh, had a great visit with him at Sheep Show this year and really got to know him a little bit and and just fell in love with his story and, and who he is as a hunter. So we're going to go capture. And, and the the reason we're going to West Texas is it's sort of a place near and dear to his heart. And that that really resonates in the storytelling aspect of the of the project. And so we're going to go to location. And, that, and and a lot of people have told me that they're like, they one on one hand, they told me, hey, man, you, you, you're just like spending so much money to go to these locations to film these stories. But on the other hand, don't ever lose that part of it because then cause it resonates in the story, right? Mm-hmm. It, where if you're in this place that it's so meaningful to you, that power and that emotion of that story essentially resonates through the telling of that story and, and the meaning of, of, of the story to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know the thing about Audad, which is going back to how cool this animal is, is here's this exotic species that affords us the opportunity to sheep hunt. You know, otherwise we wouldn't be able to. Um, but they're actually from Africa, and That's right. Uh, my I've done a lot of research on the species, and, and originally it was uh, World War II uh, American soldiers stationed in uh, North Africa mm-hmm. that found these sheep, you know, in their native habitat, and was like, "These are awesome. We should bring these back to Texas." <laughs> And yeah. uh, and I don't know if it was on. It was probably on a subsequent trip. You know, they probably got the, the war ended, and they went back and they captured some of these sheep, brought them over here, and now we've got free ranging herds all over Texas. You know, New Mexico. If you find the roughest country, that's where the all dead are going to be. <laughs> yeah, and I so. think that that same story could be said for a number of African animals and other animals for, from a Texas perspective. You know, a bunch oh, sure. of free ranging animals. Uh, everywhere, but uh, I'll tell you a funny part to the to that being my first Western hunt, just sort of unique that I'm from South Africa, and I was my first Western hunt was chasing an animal that was native to to Africa. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got this project Blood Origins, and, and you approached me at Dallas Safari Club um, yep. about touching on this. So first of all, uh, what is a Blood Origin? How do you well, define I that? Every, yeah, so everyone has a blood origin. It's, it's who you are. It's, it's where you've come from. It's, it's how you were raised. It's, 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 the, it's this, essentially the, the DNA makeup of you. My blood origin is completely unique to me. Cable, your blood origin is unique to you. However, the beautiful thing about you being a Texan, me being a native South African, now American, is that there is a deep-seated connect- connection or thread between our blood origins in terms of who we are as hunters and who we are as outdoorsmen and, and what we cherish about why we do what we do. And that's essentially the, 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 the part of... That's why we named the blood origin. It, it, you know, we started by thinking about calling it in the blood, but we landed on blood origin because it's just... It speaks to that sort of characterization of that individual mm-hmm. and that's what the, the stories are, are, are truly about yeah well and you've got an interesting story you know yourself uh your your family's blood origin is um based in the outdoors and hunting yeah and i 
you know, a good adjective for my blood origins is crazy or unbelievable. You know, my grandfather was born in, in Siberia in 1912, experienced sort of two hunting meccas that the world had to offer, the north, northern China steppe and essentially the Russian Siberian tiger. Um, he pheasant hunted in Tibet. He stag hunted in the, in the tiger and then moved his entire family in the 50s to Mozambique, uh, then Portuguese East Africa, and lived the heyday of African hunting in, in Mozambique until 74, uh, when a revolution hit uh, uh, in Mozambique and, and sort of curtailed all hunting. You know, a civil war raged for about 20, 20, 25 years. All the guns were removed. All the guns were confiscated. He managed to smuggle a couple of guns into South Africa. I was born in '78 uh, into uh, you know into a system in South Africa and Mozambique where there was no hunting available to me, and, and I was raised in a really really urban environment. I was raised in Johannesburg, eight and a half million people, and and my <laughs> I remember my mom used to tell me I used to have geographically impossible girlfriends because it would be 50 miles in one direction to pick up you know a date for a movie, <laughs> um, but. Being raised in that urban environment, and, 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 I, and I have to sort of stop and pause, given the project that we're in right now, why, why I wasn't raised a hunter, why I wasn't raised, you know, learning more about who my, who my grandfather was and my father. Because, and I think the reason why they never talked about hunting is because it was gone. Mm-hmm. The Mozambique that they loved, the Mozambique that they cherished, the, the, the Mozambique that they could disappear for three weeks into the hinterland and my dad was a camp boy that was essentially the, you know, he had to find meat for the camp every day and the elephants and the buffaloes that they went after, that was all gone, literally gone, like ravaged by civil war, claimed for food for the pots. And then South Africa, there's no public lands to hunt, no, no public licenses, very difficult to own a gun itself. And, um, it's quite difficult to get a gun in for me, you know, more so than other countries. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. so the hunting lifestyle, you know, you've been there, you've hunted South Africa, it, it's geared to an American market. So there's no real opportunity for a blue collar South African to, to hunt, especially one that's in a, in a major metropolis like Johannesburg. Sure. So I guess what I, um, instead of sort of running down that line of, of, of me and my heritage, I sort of took the other line of my heritage. So my grandmother was descendant from a, the, the first foresters of the Sachsenwald in northern Germany. So the, the first true conservationists mm-hmm. of, of these lands. They were hunters, too, because they had to work. They were providing uh, food for the, the German baron that owned the forest at the time. But they were the true conservationists, the stewards of, of these forest lands. And so that's what I became. That's, I was I was interested in being a game ranger. You've, you've, you've experienced what a game ranger is in South Africa. Every young boy and man in South Africa wants to be a game ranger. And so I wanted to be that individual and quickly realized that uh, it was a much larger career available than just taking people around in Land Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, and so I, I, I uh, trained to be a, a wetland ecologist and that's sort of my passion is swamps and wetlands and how we can use the, those features to improve the to improve the environment. So I have this conservation restoration side of who I am. It's sort of my day job, day in and day out. And 
So you're making sure that my ducks have a good habitat. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and so I knew I, I knew I liked you, Robbie. Yeah, I knew it. <laughs> man, I you know, and I'll tell you a little bit more. What's interesting is that when I arrived in the states, I, I did a PhD at, um, at at the University of Mississippi, and then got hired as a professor at Mississippi State for six years. And I was in the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Agriculture, and I was sort of this unique in this unique position because I lived between the water, the ducks, the fisheries guys, and the wildlife, terrestrial, deer, quail, uh, uh, predator, upland uh, world. And so I got to infuse sort of my love for both worlds into what I did in terms of putting wetlands on the landscape to the benefit of agriculture, wildlife, fisheries, and, and, and all sorts. And so I'll just, you know, not bore everybody with the details, but right now my, my current job is sort of very similar to that. I don't work for the university anymore. I was I was fortunate enough to be hired um, to support the I, I work as a consultant, I'm the chief scientific officer of a small consulting company, and and our role, my role, primarily on a day to day basis, is to support the state uh, to implement big restoration projects associated with the BP oil spill. Mm-hmm. And so my life now is is, is really helping implement some phenomenal restoration projects directed by the state, uh, ranging the gamut from oysters to marine mammals to sea turtles to uh, land conservation, habitat restoration, you name it. So Mm. you can see it sort of coming to bear, a little bit of of my heritage now, who I am, and then obviously uh, sort of starting this project on on realizing the hunting side. So the outdoors was calling you even though you didn't grow up a hunter, you go back to that that terminology, blood origins, which is the name of of the project, and your blood origin was calling you to be involved with conservation, to be involved with the outdoors. Uh, you said swamps is your passion, you know, and uh, and I, you know, that that comes from your grandfather. Even though you did not, you, you you had a, you you grew up completely different than the way that he would have. Well, the way that he raised your dad, for instance, and, and probably the way that your dad wanted to raise you, it just was an impossibility. Exactly. Oh. No, no, and, 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 and I think my greatest job, my greatest task, my greatest opportunity, is I have two young boys now, uh, Leo and Eli, six and four, and Leo is named after that said grandfather, is to, living in this country, living in America, is providing them all those opportunities. And, and I, I say it in the first episode of Blood Origins, which is essentially this story, mm-hmm. is that I guess I'm experiencing now what my grandfather got to experience in Mozambique in the 50s, but I live in Mississippi now. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a weird sort of like, you know, conundrum between those it's two disparate worlds, but yet so similar in why and where in where I am today who I am who and I, who I want my boys to be but you know Robbie the thing about that is perception is reality you want your boys to be raised in that vein just like I want my kids and as parents that's our job and as you and I and our listeners raised their youngsters in the truth um, I would say that the future is bright for the outdoor community with that being said though We do need to work in a quick break here. We've talked about what makes you tick, your blood origin. When we come back, I want to talk about the project itself. Uh, So can you stick around for a few more minutes? Absolutely. Look forward to it. 
Excellent. And that segment, by the way, brought to you by Pulsar, night vision and thermal imaging. If you haven't used the new Pulsar trail, you are missing out, especially if you like to hunt hogs or coyotes under the cover of darkness. It's got an internal recording device. It's that simple push record, and you are capturing everything you're looking at through that thermal. Not to mention the clarity that you get in the trail series is unlike anything else that's out there on the thermal market. Check it out. It's the Pulsar Trail. You can find it at PulsarNV.com. Stick around. We're talking Blood Origins after the break on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Do you have a hog problem at your ranch or deer lease? We have the solution. The System Hog Trap comes in two sizes, 17-foot and 30-foot diameter traps. After you trap the hogs, take the top section off the trap and use it for another feeder site to keep the hogs away from the feeder. The System is both a trap and a deer food plot fence. That way you don't waste your money on just a hog trap. Call 940-391-3669 or visit www.goinfencing.com. That's goinfencing.com. Cable Smith here for Deerview Windows. As a whitetail hunter, nothing is more frustrating than poor visibility in a deer blind. It can flat ruin a hunt. At Deerview Window Company, they manufacture windows solely for the use in deer stand and deer blinds. All of their windows and doors can be custom made to fit your specific openings. Or you can select from standard sizes from hinged windows to sliding windows and everything in between. Visit DeerviewWindows.com to determine which style window is best for your deer blind. Plus, you'll get a free quote. Deerview Windows, where visibility matters. Hey, it's Cable for DontTradeItIn.com. If you've got an old four-wheel drive vehicle that you don't need anymore or you want to upgrade your daily driver or hunting rig to a newer one, DontTradeItIn.com wants your vehicle running or not. Their purchase process is quick, easy, and painless. Answer a few questions and get a cash offer in no time. They'll beat CarMax and dealership buy bids guaranteed. Head over to DontTradeItIn.com or call or text Justin at 469-300-9669. That's 469-300-9669. Howdy friends, Cable Smith here, and many of you have seen my pictures throughout the last hunting season of my custom 7 mag. That rifle was built by Horizon Firearms. Horizon Firearms is a custom rifle builder here in Texas, located in College Station, and they specialize in extremely accurate custom rifles designed exactly the way you want them. Give them a call at 979-229-4664 or check them out at horizonfirearms.com. Hey everybody, this is Brandon Ryder, and you're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Slow poking down a black top, cutting ties on a wide rock. There's a party on a dead end road, we're just hoping that the cops don't show. Somebody is looking for a fight, it's gonna be that kind of night. There's our very own Brandon Ryder bringing us back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show, powered by Dallas Safari Club. I'm your host, Cable Smith. Thanks to Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Polaris as well. Thanks to you for being here. It is a pleasure and a treat, week in and week out, to be talking all things outdoors with you. And today, we're discovering our blood origins with producer and founder Robbie Kroger. And we talked a little bit about his past, his blood origin, what makes him tick and we're going to continue in that vein and talk about the actual series blood origins uh, here momentarily but first this segment of the show is proudly brought to you by first light if you're not aware 
First Light is relaunching the website next Tuesday, March 27th. They've got some all-new gear, uh, specifically catering to more of the whitetail side of things. So you'll want to check that out. And then they've got a, a live event Wednesday, March 28th at noon Mountain Time. So that would be uh, 1 o'clock Central. So you'll want to check that out as well. And you can find it all at firstlight.com. It's the big pre-order launch 2018, and it's going down starting March 27th. All right, well, let's pick it back up with Robbie Kroger of Blood Origins. You know, Robbie, we talked a lot about your past, your blood origin. Um, But as far as the the series is concerned, you guys cover a wide array of individuals. And in in one of the episodes, um, you know, you you really mention that we as a hunting community do a poor job of showing just how diverse we really are. And, for example, you've got a Korean-American girl in her early 20s who didn't grow up hunting, recently took it up. I think she's from Michigan. And and that is perfect because it flies in the face of that stereotype of hunters being uh, some rich white guy. Or a white redneck. Yeah, or a white redneck. You know, but that couldn't be further from the truth. All you have to do is walk around the DSC show. You see people from all backgrounds, all walks of life. And as a public land duck hunter, I mean, I've met quite a few African-American waterfowlers, uh, which you never see that on uh, TV or in advertising um, so we are a diverse group and going back to the young Korean American girl from Michigan, you know, she didn't grow up hunting. Um, and she doesn't follow that stereotype as far as how she looks, but at her core, uh, her blood origin is just like yours and mine. And now she is taking other folks on their first hunting trips. Exactly. And what's cool about Joanna, uh, that, you know, Joanna has just literally in the last three weeks accepted the job as the R3 coordinator for the state of Ohio for the National Wild Turkey Federation. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. and, and you pointed out, that's the, I think the, what I love, you know, there's so many aspects of the project, obviously, that I love, but the, the one thing that I truly believe is going to, set the project apart and, and, and really is different about it is that you don't know what's going what's gonna to hit your inbox next or what's going to hit Facebook next, right? Is it going to be an African-American? Is it going to be a veteran? Is it going to be a young female? Is it going to be a, a, a well-known hunter? Is it going to be an unknown hunter that has just this un- crazy, unbelievable story that everybody's going to fall in love with like they did with Joanna? Yeah. Is it going to be like Joey's who's and it's going to span from duck hunting to turkey hunting to a you know a female sheep guide in the Northwest Territories. And so Joanna's just the one that that uh, stood out. I've watched most of them. You know, there's one called uh, Fathers, um, yep. Threaded, uh, and all of yep. these follow a different storyline, uh, but focus on one individual. And one's called Heart. So, what is the goal? with Blood Origins, for you personally, what are you trying to do and yeah. where are you trying to take it? Yeah, so I would say the purpose of Blood Origins is is twofold. And, and they're very, very simplistic in their purpose, but very complicated in their uh, in, in who we are as a community to implement. Yeah. So the first purpose is that we want to reach across the aisle to that non-hunting mainstream American 
when they watched the Blood Origins episode, they were like, I want them to say, huh, that, I didn't know that about a hunter. I didn't know about that. You know, that's what, that's truly what hunters are and have a, a, a library of stories that they can just see story after story after story after story that we're not this bloodlusting, trophy shot, grip and grin type community, this, this, this depth to us. So that would be the first purpose of the project, first and foremost. Secondly is uh, sort of the inspirational part of the project, which is if the project can inspire that one individual who used to hunt, that sees this one episode, and I'll give you an example of, of, of the reaction we've gotten from one of these episodes, to start hunting again, or to invest that same love and ethic of hunting that they once had, that their grandfather infused in them as a kid, but they don't hunt anymore, but they want to start hunting again and do it for their kids, then the project has been successful. So let me give you an example. So in that threaded episode, we actually tie two stories together. It's a, it's a really a great story of, of somebody taking the time to mentor an individual, to say, I'm going to, and this individual came to Keith, and this individual is a guy called Lake Pickle, and his name is, would, would resonate with the people that follow your podcast, because he's, I wouldn't call him a known in the hunting industry, he's a semi-known, but he's going to become a very big known uh, years coming. Mm-hmm. Um, Lake asked Keith, can you please take me to turkey hunt? And Keith did. And set Lake on a trajectory that nobody knew would occur except for the Lord himself. That now Lake is, you know, front and center in, in Primo's Truth of the Hunting, Primo's television show. Right. Lake is the videographer for Primo's. And so he is up in the echelons now of the hunting industry with a brand that is synonymous with who we want to be as hunters. Um, but the, 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 the threaded nature of that story was that um, obviously Lake was in, mentored by Keith and Lake then had the similar opportunity to do the same thing with Keith's two younger boys. And so there's this sort of connectedness of the story. But there was a, when, we were, when we shot the pilots, I sent the pilots, Lake pilots specifically, off to a friend of mine in Nashville and they're both on non-hunters. And they watched the episode and my friend turned to his fiancée, a girl, and she was crying. Hmm. And Adrian said, well, why are you crying? He thought, you know, just like old guys were like, what did I do? Did I, you know, I didn't, you didn't want to see that? And she was like, no, I'm crying because that, that episode reminded me of my grandfather taking me turkey hunting when I was a small girl. Wow. If watching that episode just planted the seed in her that when they have kids one day, that she wants to take them hunting and, and raise them in the outdoors, then I'll walk away from the project. Mm. because we've mm-hmm. done what we wanted to do. That's the, that is the purpose of the project. Well, and I think you hit on something that we we never talk about. Everyone wants to and – and I say it, you know, uh, take a kid hunting. Take a newbie hunting every year. I try to take at least one person hunting every fall. It's mm-hmm. never been. And, you know, maybe they love it. Maybe they don't. But at least you, like you said, try to plant that seed. But what you hit on was the hunter that for whatever whatever reason, you know, put that shotgun in that safe for yep. years and years and years. We don't talk about that as a hunting community. We have lost so many hunters. And, and uh, Delta Waterfowl had a great piece on yep. uh, the number of declining duck hunters over the last 30, 40 years. It's been over a million. And that's yep. that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of our, our fellow outdoorsmen and women who, for one reason or another, whether it was too expensive or you know it was an access issue, 
or you know their grandfather died and then they didn't have anyone to take them hunting anymore whatever it is i don't know it's it's almost a little like a buried treasure that uh we have all these hunters out there that they hunted at one point in time and, and then now they don't and we need to get them in the woods again uh, you nailed it you yeah. nailed it i think that you know love the r3 movement you know the more r3 we can do the better but i think that there is a segment of the population that is my age that's your age and i don't want to assume how old you are but uh, 36 the, uh so in, in our late 30s right that yeah. may have had a couple of hunts with our fathers back in the day as you say, I put their shotgun up, and now themselves have kids, and they're like, "Wow, I'd really like to get my kids back in the in you know dove hunting, or you know go out and 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 pig hunt or, or white-tailed deer hunt." It's that father. If you can if you can tap that, and it's not just fathers; it's mothers too, fathers and mothers. If you can tap that father and mother, then you've essentially recruited one individual back into your into the community, but also if they've got kids, doubled or tripled that recruitment effort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're almost out of time here, uh, Robbie, but I did want to uh, for you to have the opportunity to tell folks where they can find Blood Origins. Yeah, a very simple, just at Blood Origins on all of the formats, Facebook, face, uh, Facebook and Facebook, Facebook and Instagram, uh, Blood Origins at, uh, on YouTube, bloodorigins.com. You can't go wrong by just typing in Blood Origins into any of those those media, and you can find us. Uh, yeah, I, again, I appreciate the time that you've given me today. You know, love what you do, love who you are as a hunter and what you represent as the hunting for us as the hunting community. And we're talking a little bit off air about you know some other things, and I just I just want to say thank you to you. Well, I appreciate it, Robbie. Uh, truly have enjoyed the time. And, and lastly, uh, how many episodes do you have? So, I mean, people can, there's, there's quite a few out there. And then how many do you plan on, on putting out? I don't know if you say, hey, this year we're going to put out eight or what, how does that work? Sure. Yeah, so we've got five episodes. And what people will notice is that we have an episode format, which is a little longer, six to 10 minutes. And then we have, we call them shorts, little stories that are two to three minutes long, uh, equally as powerful. So the father's one that you mentioned was a short. Um, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but we have a significant number of episodes in the bank that we are going to start rolling out. Uh, some very well-known individuals are coming. Very well-known individuals are coming. Uh, some unknown, completely off-center individuals are coming. Um, so we plan to release at least one episode and one short a month uh, for the rest of the year. And Perfect. we will be dropping the odd ad journey uh, in the next two months. Awesome, um, so people will people will see ho- hopefully in the next three weeks we're going to drop sort of a, a a sizzle reel which will give people a glimpse on the types of people that are coming and the types of content that they they, they should be seeing. So stay tuned. It's going to be a good ride. Well, hey man, certainly appreciate the time, Robbie. Thanks again, and uh, I look forward to our next visit. I appreciate you, Cable. Thank you. Blood Origins creator Robbie Kroger. Uh, man, that's so interesting to really dive below the surface and and think about what is your blood origin uh fascinating stuff there truly a well done series y'all check it out on their youtube channel or social media outlets that segment of the show by the way brought to you by a couple texas traditions and they don't have anything to do with blood origins but they're certainly in my blood on a regular basis and i'm talking about <laughs> lone star beer and rudy's true texas style barbecue You can't go wrong with either one, and I encourage you to grab a cold Lone Star Long Neck next time you walk into a Rudy's Barbecue and enjoy an ice-cold Lone Star beer.
Uh, all right, we will be right back with some waterfowl discussion. That's right, we're going to talk ducks in the middle of the spring. Those much maligned ringnecks that a lot of guys don't even want to shoot, they don't get a lot of credit. Maybe they should. We discuss next with Delta Waterfowl's Kyle Winterstein. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey, y'all. Cable here for Three Curl Outfitters. And whether you want to bow hunt hogs or get after them with thermal imaging and night vision, under the cover of darkness, Three Curl has you covered. They've got the latest and greatest thermal imaging and night vision technology. They hunt unlimited, I mean, just thousands upon thousands of acres of ag fields. Or if you're a bow hunter and you want to sit in a stand and wait for the hog to come to you, uh, they can do that as well. Check it out, 3curl.com to book your next hog hunt. For nearly a decade, the Lone Star Outdoor Show has delivered entertaining, educational, and conservation-driven content to an ever-growing audience of sportsmen and women. Join companies like Vortex Optics, First Light Hunting, and Horizon Firearms that use the Lone Star Outdoor Show to increase their brand awareness and bottom line. If you're interested in introducing your brand to our audience, then call Gil at 972-849-3392. That's me, Gil, the Lone Star Outdoor Show marketing guy at 972-849-3392. You can also email me at gill.lonestyledoorshow at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Craig Boddington. I'd like to invite you to become a member of Dallas Safari Club, one of the world's leading hunting and conservation organizations. As a member, you'll receive Game Trails magazine, a monthly newsletter, and invitations to our monthly meetings and special activities. Join Dallas Safari Club, an international organization based in Dallas, supporting hunting and conservation worldwide. For more information, call 800-9-GO-HUNT or visit our website at www.biggame.org. Howdy folks, I'm Lee Hoffbear for Hoffbear's Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas. I hope you're enjoying the Lone Star Outdoor Show. We've been a title sponsor for a number of years now, and we're proud to be a part of it. I'd also like to thank you for making Hoffbear's once again the number one Polaris dealer in Texas. Please keep buying your Polaris products from us. Send us your friends, your neighbors, all your hunting buddies, and I promise we'll keep giving the best deals on a brand new Polaris in all of Texas. Whether you're looking for a Polaris for work or play, whether you need a regular Ranger or maybe a Ranger Crew, an RZR, they've got an all-new Ace that you need to come test drive. We've also got four-wheelers from a youth model all the way up to the all-new Sportsman 1000. For your Polaris headquarters, Hoff Powers Outdoor Superstore in Gulfway, Texas is who you need to see all or get on the web and contact today. You can check us out at hpolaris.com. That's H's in Hoff Power, polaris.com. Or you can come see us at Highway 84 West in Gulfway, Texas. And folks, Hoff Powers has been in Central Texas for over 50 years now, and we couldn't have stuck around this long if we were steering you wrong. Hey y'all, Cable here for my good friends over at Outlaw Outfitters. This veteran-owned and operated outfit will put you on the ducks, to say the least. I've been hunting with them for, gosh, four or five years now. They also do a deer, hog, and turkey as well. They have over 15,000 acres they hunt in Collin, Grayson, and Fannin counties. Whether you want to do a turnkey, you know, one morning waterfowl hunt, or a complete weekend package with authentic Cajun cooking and lodging, it's all right there within an hour of the Metroplex, and you can find them at huntoutlaw.com. But at the end of the day, nobody cares for Kyle. Nobody 
Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Little Red Shahan there for you, men and coyotes. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a pleasure to be talking all things outdoors with you. Thanks also to Dallas Safari Club, our title sponsor, and Lone Star Beer and Hoff Power Players as well. Uh, we are all set to talk a little duck hunting. It seems like we should be talking turkey hunting this morning, but uh, we will definitely get into that next week. But I, I was reading uh, the latest Delta Waterfowl uh, magazine. Came across an article on a duck that I think is really looked down upon by a lot of hunters, whether that's fair or not. I don't know. I, I think it's a, a great little duck and one that I rarely ever pass on, to be honest with you. And you can judge me for that if you want to or not. I don't really care because I'll tell you who doesn't discriminate. My sweet gal, Belle, she just wants to retrieve something with feathers. And uh, I got to keep her happy. So anyway, we will jump into that discussion with Delta Waterfowl's Kyle Winterstein here momentarily. But first, this segment of the presentation is brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. They've got locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my taxidermy needs for over seven years. doesn't matter the species. If it's got feathers, fur, or fins, check them out. At gr8mounts.com. That's gr8mounts.com. Okay, uh, well, let's bring on our next guest joining us to talk about a feathered little rocket that I think makes for some really sporty shooting and for some reason is looked down upon and scorned by so many waterfowlers. And here to discuss that species with us now, it's my pleasure to welcome Kyle Winterstein of Delta Waterfowl. Good to be with you, Cable. Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, where in the world are you joining us from? I am in State College, Pennsylvania. Okay. Is that where you're from originally? Uh, yeah, I'm originally from Central Pennsylvania. Uh, Delta allows me to uh, work remotely, so it's uh, nice to be out here in the Atlantic Flyway and telecommuting to Bismarck, North Dakota. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about yourself as an outdoorsman and an outdoor writer. I know that uh, you are the... Um, managing editor for Delta Waterfowl magazine, uh, but you know all you have to do is Google your name, and and a lot of stuff comes up for various outdoor publications. Sure. Uh, well, I started as an outdoor writer in 2004. I was with the NRA's American Hunter magazine for eight years, uh, freelance for a few years after that, working for a variety of uh, publications in in that realm, and I've uh, been with Delta Waterfowl since. Uh, 2015. Uh, really, uh, waterfowl and, and upland birds are are what drives me as, as a hunter. So it's uh, been nice to to focus on ducks. There you go. And and you know, I was uh, thumbing through the spring issue of Delta Waterfowl, and I came across a piece that I thoroughly enjoyed, titled "Rethinking Ringnecks," and it got me thinking. Um, and, and and so. I was like, here's this duck that often gets a bad rap that a lot of folks just say, oh, I don't shoot ringers. It, well, I'm pretty opportunistic, and at the end of the day, uh, what makes me happy is watching my dog go get ducks. So I, I am not that guy. Uh, and But I will say, man, ringnecks have saved so many hunts for me over the years, you know, in 15 years of doing this. Uh, they're just those days where, you know, that's all that's coming in. And uh, sure. And so I think that they are often – underestimated. Uh, so what was your inspiration behind writing this piece? 
Sure. You know, you're right. I think a lot of guys don't consider the ringneck to be the most prestigious duck. You know, I always found them cool, but I only really had opportunistic opportunities at them. Uh, particularly when I lived in, in Virginia, we would uh, see ringnecks over our, our mallard spreads because for a, a diver, uh, they do frequent the, um, the more shallow waters. And certainly we saw them on the Potomac River. But uh, so for our spring issue, we were our cover story is uh, Delta's research on ringneck ducks. And we thought, what a cool opportunity for a guy like me who uh, really hasn't had the opportunity to hunt ringnecks in their major wintering grounds, that is Georgia and Florida, uh, to get a sense of what people down there really uh, love about them. And uh, you know, it couldn't have worked out better. I got hooked up with uh, the chairman of Delta's Tallahassee chapter, a guy by the name of Joe Carter. Uh, and this guy is just ringneck obsessed. His dog's <laughs> name is Ringer. Um, he, he told me that uh, his ideal limit is six ringneck ducks. And that's, that's coming from a guy who goes to Arkansas and Mississippi to pursue pintails and mallards. So it's not that he doesn't get opportunities at ringnecks. He's just at, at other ducks other than ringnecks, but he just, uh, he's a guy who's who's fallen in love with them. And uh, he showed me why. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And in the article, you mentioned that you'd never shot a fully plumed out wood duck and on this hunt you guys were seeing some wood ducks and he's like well you can shoot them but i'm saving my my six ducks for drake ringnecks <laughs> yeah isn't that just crazy yeah. i mean the wood duck to me i mean that is a prestige duck they they're so uh obviously beautiful um and i i just love them and i you know i told him boy you have you have the wood ducks down here and i ended up shooting one he's, he, yeah he said the problem with that is that's one fewer ringneck for you yeah <laughs> And you mentioned, uh, you know, Florida and Georgia as their main wintering ground. I think probably in the Atlantic flyway, I would say Texas has, we have a ton of ringnecks here. Uh, like I said, and, and you alluded to it earlier, if you're chasing mallards, a lot of time you're going to have ringnecks in those same places because biologically, and, and neither you nor I, is, you know, we're not scientists or uh, biologists, but as far as a, a diving duck goes, they don't really like that big water like a, a redhead or a, a bluebill would prefer. Uh, they like to stay in those shallow ponds and they're, you know, a small stocky diving duck. They like to eat submerged vegetation and invertebrates. And, and I think, uh, if, if you like to hunt, like one of my favorite ducks is a widgeon and they have this, uh, interesting relationship with ringnecks where they like to hang out in, on ringneck ponds too, because when the ringnecks come up after diving down below the surface, that's where these widgeon get that name robbers and they'll go try to steal their food from them. I don't know if you've ever heard Widgeon referred to as robbers or not, or have ever witnessed that, but it's a, a pretty interesting relationship between those two species. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, beautiful green mask on the Widgeon kind of helps it play the part, too, I think. <laughs> yeah, sons of guns. These ducks, I would say, like I said, have saved so many hunts for me, but they're also the one duck that just tend to materialize in my decoys. Like, I don't know they're coming. They don't need those big, wide-swinging passes. They don't need to make lots of passes. It's just they, they'll come in from the rafters, you know, from out of the stratosphere and just dive bomb. They don't mess around. They're committed, and they're just there. Yeah, absolutely, and that's one thing that, that really struck me on, on this hunt. Um, you know, if you've ever seen a, a lab where they, they can kind of hear the ducks coming and, and get excited before they or, or you can see them, and that, that kind of got me – the ringnecks allowed me to, to get a sense of what that's like because these ducks are so loud. Uh, I, I've never, you know, if you live for whistling wings, there is nothing like the sound of 
a flock of a hundred ringneck ducks, which I just haven't experienced these these massive flocks on the wintering grounds uh, like I did. And then, like you say, they they drop they drop in from the heavens from a distance that you would never even bother calling to a mallard. And they they set the brakes and they come down at this steep angle at such speed. And uh, I don't know if it was the excitement or the velocity with which they came in, but I'll tell you, I did not shoot straight on this trip. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, the funny thing about these ducks is usually, and you do pick up lots of singles, uh, and they come in from the same type of situation out of the stratosphere. You can see them a mile away, but they commit just like a big flock would. But when you're shooting into a big flock, you know, I can say honestly on on the air that I've hit the duck behind the one I've been aiming at many times on ring neck. So I'm uh, I'm not too proud to admit that. Hey, I did that a couple a couple times on this trip. There's no shame in that. <laughs> you, yeah. you just you just nod and smile at your buddies like everything's normal. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Nobody's the wiser. Yeah, yeah. As far as the the ring neck itself, I'd say the only drawback that I have experienced personally with with this duck is. Uh, like I said, shooting behind them, and then also they're they're very difficult to get the tough uh, to get that that skin off when you're breasting them out. I don't know if this uh, if Joe had any insight into into that, but if he did, I'd love to hear about it. You know, I think that's true of most divers. The the, the skin is just uh, attached to the breast uh, and can require you to um, work your knife under them carefully. Uh, another method that I I like is to uh, just simply either pluck the whole duck or, or pluck the breast and then fillet it with um, fillet it out with the skin on um, ducks like ringnecks, which uh, you know ringnecks have a, a very vegetarian diet. That skin's going to be nice and, and tasty if you crisp it in a cast iron skillet, um, and uh, I, I think that can be a, a good method to go with. So just yeah, that, well bypass the whole thing of of skinning them. Just leave the skin on yeah. there. Yeah. Okay, I actually haven't tried that with a ring neck. I've plucked plenty of puddle ducks, but uh, I'm willing to give it a try because that is the only thing. Because they really are a beautiful bird. Going back to the fact that a lot of guys kind of turn their noses up to them, uh, just from, you know, really a lot of guys say, oh, they don't taste good. Well, they taste fine to me. Um, But that that skin is tough to get off uh, for sure. Uh, But, I mean, who wouldn't want a ring neck drake? on their wall. It's a beautiful duck. And they've got that iridescent purplish green sheen on the back of their neck when they're fully plumed out. Uh, I, I think that they're just a really handsome bird, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think one of the coolest bills in, in all the waterfowl, uh, and that greenish purple, uh, iridescent head and that, uh, on the really good drakes, that burgundy neck, neck ring, uh, can really shine. It's, it is, it is funny that, you know, they, they're called the ring neck duck because of a, really what can be a subtle feature except when you're holding it in the hand um it's there is a uh, i've got wind of a a movement of foot that, that doesn't have a, a whole lot of momentum to change its name to the ring bill uh because that's such a an easier identifier and because hey it's already a nickname that i think more hunters use than calling it the ring neck yeah well, you know, they have a bunch of names. Blackjacks is, is one that we typically, you know, we refer to them commonly here in Texas. I don't know if the, if you guys, you know, have that nickname in the Atlantic Flyway, but that's a, a common one here. I, I think that this is going to have to be the next duck that I get mounted because I've shot, oh my God, I've shot a mess of these things. 
And every time I'm like, you know, I'm that guy that's like, well, I'd rather, you know, mount a wood duck or, you know, I think they deserve a little more respect. So that's going to be this. This article has inspired me to say, you know, the one duck, because I usually try to mount one a season that I'm going to put on my wall next year. It's going to be a Drake ringneck. Uh, anything else that you wanted to mention about these ducks or that hunting experience? I don't know maybe Joe had some kind of uh, – did he have a predominantly uh, ringneck-based decoy spread? Uh, yeah, it, it's remarkably how similar he hunts them to mallards. Uh, but his, his spread consists predominantly of, of ringnecks, and he had some pintails and gadwalls mixed in there. But it looked like just a classic J-rig. Um, and then his calling style, you know, though he's making diver grunts into a double-read mallard call, he was – issuing a greeting call and, and calling them on the edges. Uh, if you know how to hunt mallards, uh, you know how to hunt big flocks of ringnecks. Yeah. Well, and that was one thing he did say, and, and that I have noticed, is that, that ringnecks, they're about the only really vocal diving duck that I've ever seen on the wing. You know, Most of the other species that we typically get here, canvasbacks, rednecks, uh, they don't say anything at all. I, I'd have to look it up, but I believe that they're the most uh, vocal diving duck and they certainly respond to a call better than i've seen other divers do um it, it was fun it's fun to watch and i i want to go back yeah well i guess in closing here to all those guys that that think ringnecks aren't uh, as an esteemed a trophy or or quite the prize as, as some of the other ducks hell i don't discriminate i think they're an awesome bird so many times these ducks have saved hunts for me and and more so if you've got a, a waterfowl guide in, in Texas that's your buddy, he's saved their ass many times too. So they've got a special place in, I think, a lot of uh, waterfowlers' hearts, even if they don't know it yet. Yep, uh, absolutely. You know, I, I think we're very fortunate as North American waterfowlers to have such a large diversity of ducks. They're all cool and unique in their own ways, and certainly the ringnecks are among those. Kyle, certainly enjoyed the piece. I look forward to reading uh, your next feature in Delta Waterfowl magazine and uh i appreciate you making time for us today thank you very much cable delta waterfowls kyle winterstein great stuff there regarding that much maligned and often overlooked ring neck uh that segment of the presentation by the way brought to you by scent blaster a better way to get more scent out it doesn't matter what you're hunting if you use a liquid based attractant then you need a scent blaster you fill up the reservoir and hang it in your hunting area and you are good to go for up to as long as even a week. And you can find it at scentblaster.net. Like I said, deer, hogs, predators, doesn't matter the game. If you use a scent, you need a scent blaster. Uh, unfortunately, just looking at the clock here, man, it's that time. We got to go. Got to get out of here. Uh, thanks to all of our guests for their contributions today. Kyle Winterstein of Delta. Also, Robbie Kroger of Blood Origins. And Trent Gilly of Overstocks and Bargains. Certainly looking forward to enjoying some of those deeply discounted ammo prices. And, of course, I want to thank all of our sponsors for making this show possible. Thanks to you, the listener, for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoors show. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. wasn't must do Making honest living Around a town of plain view Teach some boys and girls about a simple